listening to The Home Recording Show, hosted by Ryan Canestro and John Tidy. Find us online at homerecordingshow.com. Welcome back with us today, John Tidy at epicsounds.ca, reaperblog.net, and audiogeekzine.com. Hey, guys. I am Ryan Canestro, and I haven't updated Ditch Road Records in about two years. You can find us on Twitter, John at the Audio Geek, and me at Ryan Canestro. Emails are John or Ryan at homerecordingshow.com. If you're shopping on Amazon, please click through our link. They'll break off a piece and send it our way. Click on the tip jar for one-time or reoccurring monthly donations. The archives tabs near the top of your page. Check out every show we've done. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash homerecordingshow. If you listen on iTunes, please write us a review. Let's do a show or something. Yeah. So in this episode, I guess we're going to talk about, um, I'm going to do a review of the Personas monitor station, and then we're going to talk about Ryan's uh, gig bag. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not what you think it is. Or is it? Hey, guys. In this segment, I want to tell you about the newest piece of gear I bought for my studio, the Personas monitor station version 2. This is an affordable desktop monitor controller with a lot of the same functions you'd find on an analog console. Things like metering, input switching, speaker switching, a large volume pot, talkback, mono sum, and dimming. These are all things that are extremely helpful, but aren't often found in an audio interface. As I said, this is an affordable piece of gear, about $400, which is not a lot when it comes to monitor switching systems. At this price, I am very satisfied and impressed with the quality. Design-wise, this is an 8x9 black wedge with blue aluminum knobs and soft yellow backlit buttons on the top. The back of the unit has all the inputs and outputs on TRS and RCA jacks with small trim pots to fine-tune the speaker levels. This design is an update to the original monitor station, which was larger and had fewer features. My previous monitor controller was the TC Electronic Level Pilot. If I didn't have two sets of monitors and the desire to share a subwoofer, I'd still be using that. I'd still recommend that if you just need a quality volume control for one set of speakers. The Modern Station version 2 has some nice hidden features. Not really hidden, but seeing as most guys don't read the manual, you'd never know about it. What I'm talking about is the mode options. Before I ordered it, I downloaded the manual to see if there was a way to toggle two sets of monitors and keep the sub active all the time. Mode 3 toggles speakers A and B, keeping C independent. Exactly what I was looking for. You can also have the inputs toggle or latch, and change the meter calibration. Each of the four headphone amps can be assigned either the main source or a Q source. The headphone amps are really powerful too, 150 milliwatts into a 32 ohm load. The way I have this set up for my studio is as such. The SPDIF output of my interface goes to the SPDIF input of the monitor station. This is my main source for everything coming out of the computer. Input source 1 is connected to outputs 3 and 4 from my interface for when I need an alternate headphone mix. I have source 2 open if I need a second computer connected. Speaker A is my Focal CMS 50s. Speaker B is my Yamaha HS 50s. And speaker C is my Yamaha HS 10 subwoofer. The monitor station has made switching speakers really easy, but I'm surprised at how often I've been using the mono sum, mute, and dim functions, even if it's just for watching YouTube videos. In the past, I've criticized the quality of Prasanna's products, especially the central station. So far, I've been impressed with this, and I'm hopeful that any quality control issues or design issues with their last generation of gear have been sorted out. Not much left to say. I think you guys should check it out and see if it'd be a good fit for your studio. Let's see what Ryan thinks about this. 
so Ryan, you have a central station. Um, yeah, and I, I know you just took a minute there to talk crap about it um, as you're saying how far superior your product is. So I'm glad you were able to do that as well. Well, it seems like they've improved their quality control over the years. Yeah, I, I did have an issue at one point. Um, Pretty much everyone I know that has had a central station has had some issue at some point. They've had have them it. repair. I've had it for a while. I love it. It sounds fantastic. It does everything I needed to do. And at one point, it just stopped working. So I sent it off. Uh, had to build a something little, little custom box just to have some volume control uh, while it was out so I can do some sessions and still stay working. Um, and then when it came back, it's been flawless ever since. And That's uh, good. Yeah. And, Did they uh, ever explain like what happened to it or... No, and they couldn't explain to me why they couldn't figure out how to process my credit card, so they just gave it to me for free. Uh, I'm hoping that's, that's a perk fine. of the show, but I don't know if they even knew who I was. <laughs> We've talked about the things that have broken on central stations, because uh, Jesse's was broken. The one that I used at studio I worked at was broken. But when they work, they're fantastic. So, yeah, um, yeah hopefully they did work out the quality control issues. Uh, the one thing I noticed that's uh, different about yours is that uh, you have four headphone amps built into it. And that's yeah. awesome because I have a whole separate rack to do that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, um, yours has a Toslink digital input. And I love that. And As well as the coax. Yep. I, I think is one or the other, isn't it? Um, it's, it's either or through the one input, so you can select okay. which one you want. But yeah, all of the uh, audio out of my computer is optical into there and then into my monitors. So just playing back music or watching movies on my computer immediately was far superior than having run it analog out of the sound card into a mixer and then into the, the monitors. So that, oh, yeah, that was that a huge sense. thing for me. Um, another thing that uh, this one has that the central station doesn't have is uh, the dim is adjustable. So you can set it for anywhere from zero to minus 30. That's Either. cute, but that's yeah. a feature I never, ever use. Well, I like minus 12 as my dim or somewhere around there. I'm glad you do. Minus 16 is what yours is preset to. So it's just, it's just nice. Like, So I could keep mine at my normal volume on the main knob and then hit dim and then that's my quiet volume or that's my uh there's a commercial playing volume on whatever i'm watching yeah um or someone's trying to talk to me while i'm mixing button um uh the central station has a foot switch for the talk back and also an external mic input which is a nice feature um, yeah they're now calling it the central station plus with the remote included Ooh. so did you get the remote with yours no Okay, so I was thinking that this would be even better if all the I.O. was just in a separate box and this had like a D-sub connector on the back. Yeah, um, less mess on the desk. Yeah. But that almost rhymed. That, that's basic, <laughs> yeah, but that's basically what the central station is with the remote. So it's a little box for on the desk with your volume control and talk back, um, mono, dim, and speaker switching on it, but then all the cable mess is in the rack. Yeah, and I, I always have my rack just to my right, or actually it was just to my left. Now it's just to my right, which kind of confuses me a little bit, muscle memory's <laughs> off. But 
Um, I can just reach over, grab the volume control, hit the button, so it's all right there for me. But I can understand oh. if you had your racks much further away from where you were situated, it'd be nice to have that remote box on your desk. Yeah, just having it like where you you don't even really need to look at it. Really, really nice. I yeah, I said I was surprised at how how much I'm using the mono, the mute, and the dim buttons. I'm I'm using them all the time. I never had them before, so I never really noticed that I was missing them. There's there's not a lot of other things in this price range that are either good or offer all the features. And in this range, you either go from super cheap junk or zero features to super expensive high-end. There's yeah. really not a lot of middle ground in this range, and Personas is the only one hitting the high-quality stuff for the lower price point. Yeah. I mean, it's not super high-quality. You can, I mean, it's all, not all high-gauge metal and... Uh, it's not Born's Pots. It seems very solid. I mean, it's how damaged is it going to get? It's not going to get too beat up just sitting on my desk. Depends what you're into. In a week, the pots haven't gotten scratchy. So, I, I mean, I can't test it any better than that right now. But the, uh, the level pilot actually got scratchy within a couple months. Oh, actually, the level pilot had this problem where right at the bottom of the, of the range, it would kind of be uneven, uh, stereo balance. And I, I'm not hearing that at all on the uh, monitor station. Yeah, highly recommended. Um, it's not totally budget. I don't think everyone can go out and get one today, but um, it's it's got all the features pretty much anyone would want. Yeah, great little unit. That's what buy she it said. on Amazon. That's what he said. And click through our link to buy that on Amazon. Definitely do that. Um, if you don't have a monitor controller and you've been thinking about it, that's probably the one I'd recommend these days or the central station in the rack. And then you just kind of roll the dice and hopefully that works for you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are, they're fantastic sounding when they're working. And we, we have heard horror stories, but uh, I'm sure most of them are pretty good now because uh, there were so many horror stories. They had to have addressed that problem if they want to continue to make that product. So yeah. I'm sure they're all pretty safe now. Yeah. All right, let's move on to other stuff. So John was asking me off the air about some of the stuff I'm doing now, which is a lot different than the studio stuff I was doing before. So you kind of want to talk about some of the accessories and things like that, right? Yeah, as a sound mixer for film, what are those essential accessories that you need to get through the day? Yeah, so many people will budget, like, I'm going to buy some sound gear for location work, and I need a recorder and a mixer and some microphones and maybe some wireless mics. And then you kind of forget about everything in between, which can sometimes cost just as much as all of the rest of that stuff. So people screw up that in budgeting all the time. I mean, obviously, cables. Um, when you get into location world, you don't just need XLR cables. You need... Um, the, the TA3s and TA5s, which are the mini XLR cables. You need uh, Limo connectors for time code. Um, I've got a five pin that goes into my recorder. The red cameras take a four pin. The Canon cameras take a B and C. The uh, uh, Alexa cameras take a five pin. So you have to have all these different connectors and ways to connect them to your equipment and then to the other equipment. It gets pretty insane pretty quick. So the amount of just cables and connectors and adapters you'll have. Uh, I've just got one box just full of adapters just to make sure. And most of them are 
Most of them are just in case. Yeah, most of them are just in case. You'll need one of those, but you don't know until you get there. And there was one job I did where I put together four different kinds of connectors just to make one thing work. Uh, I, I, I took a picture of it. It was like two and a half feet long of just barrel connectors into and other barrel connectors just to get from one connector to the other. It worked. I made it work on set. It, it was one of those things where I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I just went into my kit and just started pulling out stuff until it worked. And when you're on set and you've got 20, 30, 40 people all making really good money, uh, when time's ticking away, someone's cutting a lot of checks for a lot of things. And the last thing you want is them to be waiting on you. Yeah. So just having all those adapters. Um, I have a tape roll that has gaff tape on it. Um, and I actually have three different colors right now. I have gray, black, and white. Um, you never know when you're going to need any of those. I have uh, medical tape. We should probably explain the reason for all the different types of tape as uh, well. Hookers in the back of your uh, trunk, primarily. Yeah. Use the black gap yes. tape for that. Um, oh, you, you base it on skin tone, but I mean, we don't need to get into that. Um I use <laughs> I use gaff tape a lot for uh, hiding microphones. Like if I'm putting a microphone in a car, uh, I'll use the, the tape and the different color tapes for the interior of the car to tape down the cables and, um, you know, hide the wires. Or if I'm running cables across the ground that are going to be semi-permanent, well, for the day, run tape across that so people don't trip over them. Every other department's always asking for tape, and it's it's good to be the hero sometimes. Go, oh, yeah, I have this tape or that tape. Um, I have fashion tape and top stick, which are two-sided clear tape, so you can tape down clothing so it doesn't come up to expose the wireless pack you have on somebody or to hide the microphone underneath their clothing. I use uh, moleskin with adhesive backing for that same purpose to hide the microphone and then not have the rubbing sounds be uh, audible. There's There's all kinds of little things there. Um, then you can get into safety pins, vampire clips, all these other little attachments to hide microphones underneath people's clothing, different kinds of foam. And then there's windscreens. Yep. Uh, when you're on the outside, you need the windscreen, um, or you can put the mic upside down. You'll see that sometimes. So you don't need the windscreen, so the, the pops of air will hit the back of the capsule um, or hit the bottom of it instead of hit directly into the capsule. Okay. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many things I have. I have just a box of just different things. Like I have a mic flag, like you see the news reporters have. Um, it comes yeah. up like when we do red carpet stuff, they somehow never have those, but they have the stickers. I don't know. I've, I've run into that so many times where I just bought one. Um, like movie props, <laughs> art department always forgets it when they want to do the news guy. So I pop that on there. Um, turn one of my handheld mics into a wireless mic uh, with the, uh, the uh, connector on bottom and then put the mic flag on the foam and then you get fake news guy. <laughs> It's funny. And like so far, you're up to like $300 in accessories. Uh, then there's all different kinds of uh, pins and adapters for a C-stand to mount microphones to that or to mount your entire boom pole on top of a C-stand. Mm-hmm. I even bought a C-stand, so I have one in case production doesn't. And a lot of smaller things where there's not a grip truck, you got to bring your own. And when you're talking about doing interviews for 12 hours, if you got a C-stand holding your pole all day, uh, that takes a lot of the pressure off of you. So, uh, anything holding your pole, giggity, giggity goo. So, uh, I'll have diff- all these different pins, connectors, anything you can imagine, um, that, that go into that kind of grip world. And that's what my dad did. So I know a little bit about that. Um, I should probably just 
bust out my box and look in there. I mean, I've got a cell phone charger. I've got uh, uh, Allen keys and basic hand tools. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen out there. How many brand new batteries do you bring with you? A lot. And I've just started getting, getting into the rechargeables. It's, it's an experiment I'm doing now. But I said, okay, I'm going to buy the best rechargeables I can find. So I found um, lithium uh, polymer 9 volts. They're actually fantastic. They hold up as well as the regular 9 volts. Um, I also found some really high-end double uh, A's and a, a good charger. Charger makes a big difference. And those are holding up really well. So I've been running those for a couple of weeks now. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. I also have the big uh, lithium NP1 batteries, which are uh, almost 15-volt batteries that you put in a little battery cup, and then it goes into a distribution, and that powers all of my wireless stuff and my recorder in my bag. And that one battery can go 10 or 12 hours sometimes. Has that stuff paid for itself yet? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the lithium batteries, the, the big MP1s, the two batteries and the charger are $800. Whoa. Yeah. Would you have gone through... $800 worth of double A's. The first day. <laughs> uh, in my recorder, uh, it'll take five double A's, and that's like the emergency backup. If if uh, the battery dies, it'll stay on only in record mode, and you can finish that takeout, then you can hit stop, and then you can turn it off and go swap out your big battery. Um, I think I tested it. It was less than an hour. It was probably closer to 45 minutes that those, those five double A's would last in the recorder alone. So you'd have to go through five double A's an hour times a 12-hour day. That's 60 double A's per day to do what that one MP1 does. And it's rechargeable. So that'd be like 50 bucks a day in batteries. Yeah. So it doesn't take too long for uh, that to make sense. Especially with the equipment or rental fees that you can charge. Yeah. And, you know, then I have uh, the bag all my stuff's in. I've got a harness that I put over my my chest and shoulders that supports that distributes the weight through my core um, then you've got uh, all, a coily cable for the boom so you're not dragging a cable so when you move it moves and then it's not dragging on the ground behind you you know so you can stretch and then come back down and not have to worry about that cable uh, multiple headphones uh, and then you start getting into the wireless equipment and then it gets it gets a little nutty but yeah. the, the amount of connectors and adapters and cables is pretty insane I also bought a cart recently. Uh, the cart's awesome because you can put everything on the cart, and if you're moving from location to location, you just push that cart and everything's on it instead of having to make three trips back and forth to, to get all your gear to the other side. Uh, and then you got a nice table to work on. It has a little lip so batteries and stuff don't roll out. Um, top shelf, bottom shelf, uh, Maglin or Junior. Uh, those are fantastic carts. Uh, it just adds up and builds up. And you're like, oh, I need that. I didn't need that before. I need this now. So yeah, you can you can get into a million different accessories. Oh yeah, memory cards and you know, on and on and on. Uh, yeah. The one thing that is kind of interesting we could talk about. Uh, I posted the picture on my uh, personal Facebook page, which seems to be the only thing that I'm uh, posting on at all anymore, and that's just to family and friends. I built a four space rack with uh, all kinds of different stuff in it. And the main purpose was I, I'm doing a shoot starting tomorrow where there's five cameras and they're going to be rolling at all times. It'll be like a, like a couch TV type setup. And I need to send audio and time code to all five of those cameras at all times. And out of my recorder, there's one out of time code. So I need to take that and then distribute that to all five. So what I did was I found uh, Behringer, 
uh, one of my favorite companies, makes a uh, mixer that you push one button and it turns it into a splitter. So one in and I could send six out um, and it's active volume controlled per and I can do six sends out of that. So I, I, I bought that and then I wired it all up and it goes uh, out of the Behringer into a little panel I made with BNC connectors. So I unbalanced from the Behringer uh, XLR out into a BNC and made a front panel for that. So I can hook all the BNC cables directly onto the front of the rack, run those to all the cameras, and then that gives them time code. And then right below that, I use my custom uh, little thing I made with two uh, Cinemag transformers that are uh, simple passive three-way splitters. So uh, I can plug a left channel into the one and right channel into the other, and then that'll give me um, six uh, mono sends because the right and left channel will just be the same. So I can run uh, the five cameras right off of that. So simple left, right, out, and one time code out into this rack, and then it gives me everything I need to go to the five cameras. And except for the Behringer part that was 100 bucks, I had everything else here. So I just kind of slammed it all into a rack and soldered it up, and it's ready to go. That's pretty crazy. And how long did it take you to think up how to make that? I, I sat online looking at different products, and most of them were pretty high-end. Like I was finding only the companies that made that kind of specific thing were in the seven to $800 range. And I was thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, and then uh, I was looking through a website in England for some reason. They had like a page that was like, here's the different products that will do this thing you're looking for. And I saw Behringer on there. I was like, well, what's this? I pulled it up. I pulled up the uh, manual and I saw that you can turn the mixer into a splitter. I said, well, I need that. So I just went oh. on Amazon and it was here the next day with the Amazon Prime. Yeah, the good thing about the Behringer stuff is it's readily available. Yeah. And right. this isn't, it doesn't need to be excellent quality. I mean, Timecode just sounds like a screaming chicken sped up. Um, it's just like a, like an old modem kind of sound. And it's just a constant stream of audio that's feeding numbers. And as long as it gets there and it's not distorted, the camera can read it. So um, the signal's all clean. I tested out. I sent Timecode in and tested it all out. And it all, every single channel came straight through. I was like, fantastic. So for 100 bucks, I solved that whole problem. And Sweet. the alternative would be to get locket boxes, which have a high-quality clock in it. You synchronized to the box and each day, and then you put that box on camera, and that box constantly feeds timecode to camera. Uh, I own one of them. Uh, they cost $550 each. So take that times five cameras, and it's a little pricey. Or you can get yeah. that $100 Behringer and run BNC cable. And the cameras aren't moving anywhere. If all the cameras were moving, like we were a reality show that was on the run, those cameras would have to have the locket boxes. And I know this production, um, they definitely didn't want to pay for that. So I had uh -huh. to get creative. That's cool. Yeah, it'd be almost $3,000 in locket boxes. And uh, yeah, they're definitely not paying that. I wanted to ask you how much you're uh, riding preamp levels. Uh, depends on the situation. If it is a dialogue scene that's fairly consistent, probably not at all. Um, just not to be annoying in post. Um, yesterday we were doing a thing where uh, we were doing like whispering in a tent and then immediately they start screaming. So doing the whisper to a scream, you've got to have your hand on that thing and you go from almost full gain to probably 25%. 
So there's there's a lot of that when you just have to get good levels because you only have a limiter at the very end. If you hit that hard, the audio is not going to be good. Yeah. So yeah, I stay on it pretty good. Um, if And sometimes, you know, you'll get a rehearsal on the scene and you'll know what you're looking at, but sometimes they won't tell you anything and you just have to guess. And uh, a lot of the first takes, luckily, the actors don't know what they're doing either, so they kind of blow it, so it's not my fault. When uh, And then once I see it that first time, then I know what's coming and I can get it. So flashlight, knives. Got that. Anything like that? Um, I have a knife in my car. Just depends on what neighborhood I'm in is if I put it in my pocket. <laughs> Microphones I have in my kit. Um, I have my uh, my Sennheiser boom mic, which is the 416, very standard. And then I also have a Peluso mic, which is the uh, the Sheps C, uh, CMIT 6 copy. Um, it's actually a really good mic. It's uh, the Peluso CEMC-6 solid state pencil microphone. Then I have the super cardioid capsule for that. And you could uh, screw that right on. And it comes with a cardioid, so I have both. So sometimes I'll use it for a wide room mic uh, in large situations with crowds. Or um, if I have low ceilings interior, I'll use that as my primary boom mic. Also always have the Beta 58A. I also have the uh, EV635A, just because I love that microphone for no particular reason. What does that get used for? Um, I usually try to crowbar it into things just because I'm amused by it. Yeah. I mean, it's a horrible sounding mic it, on the best days. You know, it is and it isn't. Like, you can really get a good sound out of that mic. It's it's kind of like, um, maybe like using Yamaha monitors. They just kind of suck. But if you use them, you can make a great mix out of it. I think it's like that for me. Okay. Um, and then... Um, you expect to have to process it. Oh, yeah, Maybe. but it, it's kind of cool. Like, you can use it for really loud sources. Like, if it's a, a very loud crowd, you can capture that without the microphone blowing up and, and you'll have plenty of headroom and things like that. Um, All right. Yeah, that kind like, of stuff. I mean, because it's high-passed at, like, 500 hertz, so... Yeah, so I, I'm I'm not trying to capture dialogue with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and then I have, um, you know, a bunch of different microphones that, that hook up to the, the wireless stuff. And um, probably less interesting for most, but um, I have a Sankin Cos 11, which is a very nice microphone. Uh, very bright, but when you put it underneath clothing, the clothing kind of knocks off some of the high, so that gives you a nice balance. I have a couple Countryman B, uh, B3s. The B6s are the tiny ones. I don't have those. I have the B3. They're a little bit bigger, but they're actually really nice. So I uh, use those uh, instead of the, the Sennheiser mics on my G3s. I have a couple G3s left. Um, those mics are really good on those. Uh, makes them sound better. That's about it. I, I think that's all the mics. There's probably a couple more. Um, I always keep the shotgun ones in my oh shit kit just because those are fun too. Also on my kit, I have um, basically leg and uh, stomach straps that go around the waist or around the leg and you can put a wireless transmitter in them if you can't hide them elsewhere in clothing. So they have a little pocket with a Velcro strap around the waist or the thigh. Cool. Uh, flashlight. Definitely. Um, I have a uh, little digital multimeter to test batteries in the field. Smart. Um, I have a bunch of cube taps because uh, you always need power and everyone's always fighting over one outlet. Uh, uh, yeah. Deneke makes a 48-volt uh, phantom power. Uh, you put a 9-volt in it and you can get phantom power out of this little box. That's all it does. So if I need to send... Um, 
like make a wireless boom out of one of my wireless transmitters, send the microphone into here and then into the transmitter, and then the transmitter will send it, send it back to me. So it's nice to have a wireless boom op sometimes. I have a little mini keyboard that I could hook up to my recorder, so I can, uh, if I have to do a bunch of data entry on that, I can do that. Um, card reader. This comes in uh, use almost every single day when the DIT department doesn't have a CF card reader. So uh, I have two of those just to make sure I have a backup because they cost, what, 12 bucks each? Yeah. Hey, how often do you dump your payload? Every damn night. And that goes for both. So at the end of the shoot? You, yeah, every uh, night at the end of the shoot, I give my data. And then I come home, uh, and then I charge all my batteries and download all my data. And I usually keep everything for a while just to be on the safe side. So you give them the stuff. You also dump it onto your computer. Yeah. So you are their backup. Yeah. Um, the DIT guys on set, usually they'll they'll write everything to two drives right then and there when I drop it off with them. And then, okay. then they do their backups or... You know, they send one guy off with a suitcase with a handcuff on it, and he goes in one direction, the other guy goes in the other direction. And if you're mixing this, then convenient to have the files there anyways, right? Yeah, and that's the minority of uh, of the stuff. Um, there's only one company that I shoot the movies and I do the, the post. The less post I can do, the better for me. Cool. You enjoy that a lot less. Um, I, I do enjoy it, but the process of, of kind of... Like the one director I still do it for, he's fantastic. He, he comes in and watch it and go, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, on that outside scene, can you make the birds quieter? And on that one other scene, uh, I, I just want to hear him a little better. And then that's it. That's like the whole movie. Uh, when I've worked with other people, we're doing a three-minute short and there's five pages of notes. So uh, the notes are the killer. Uh, if you're working with good people, they hire you to do what you do. And you guys work together well, that's great. But I've run into too many people that have no budget, have no idea what they want, and expect you to just burn up your own time endlessly. If you want to pay, you know, 50 bucks an hour, and you want to just pour notes after notes after notes, I'm happy to bill you for time. But that's never what it is. The people that are willing to pay you the $50 an hour, they know what they want. They got good sound on set, and they just want you to do a basic mix. And, you know, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Sweet. What brand of uh, boom pole do you use? Uh, K-Tech. And I have a, a whole K-Tech one. I'm actually just, I want to buy a new one soon because I don't have the carbon fiber. Um, I have two K-Tech uh -huh. poles. I have one that's like a 15-footer and then one that's a, a smaller one. that I think it goes out to about 10 feet, but it, it folds down small enough to fit inside my Pelican case. So that's like a traveler one or great for um, doing documentary type stuff or like tight quarters, like if you're in houses with a full crew, um, that pole gets really small, so stay out of the way. Cool. Uh, so the carbon fiber would be lighter, uh, I guess, less vibration noise as well. Who cares about that? Less, it's lighter. Less movement, it's just lighter. <laughs> yeah. And how much lighter is it? It's like half. Oh. Yeah. It's much lighter. Uh, I, I was doing a show where I was, you know, using someone else's carbon pole, and it was just so nice. And then I came back to mine. I was like, oh yeah. This thing's like, it's kind of heavy, but um, yeah, yeah. The only muscles on my body are right next to my neck, so I'm I'm yoked right there and weak everywhere else. <laughs> Do your feet kill you at the end of the day? Depends on the day. Um, You're kind of used to it now. Pretty used to it. Yesterday was one of those days where I thought it was going to be an easy day, and it turned out not to be. We ended up in the mountains, uh, like following hikers, and. Like I'm, I have to follow a camera and we're like going uphill while I'm booming 
and doing it over and over and over again. So, and you got to keep it in the in the right position. Yeah. And out of the shot and all that stuff. And yeah. the branches kept hitting my boom when I was walking back and not paying attention and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. I came home and I was pretty, my body was pretty tore up from that. But then there'd be days where um, I'll be on set and, you know, I'll have to be standing and booming all day. And there'd be other days where I can just uh, have a boom op and just kind of be sitting back and just focusing on audio and not have to do a, run a triathlon at the same time. I prefer those yeah. days. Are there situations where you need an extra boom op? So you're both booming at the same time? Yeah, I've done that. Uh, we even did a shoot where it was kind of last minute. Uh, they, they, I think there were 11 or 12 people with talking lines in a scene and they didn't want to pay for any additional wires, um, uh, wireless mics. So I had, uh, I even grabbed one of the grips. <laughs> I said, okay, you boom over in the side. I had my boom up on the other side and then I planted another mic on the table. I used everything in my kit to get that scene and we got it. Nice. How often do you have an assistant? Depends on the, the project, depends on the budget. Uh, this week, uh, I am hire, able to hire my boom op, so I'll have him with me all week. But, uh, you know, you never know. Depends on the show. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah, I feel like I've been talking endlessly for a while, so I hope that was interesting <laughs> to anybody. Well, it's it's probably the only chance we'll get to have you excited about stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have to talk about it anymore after this. There we go. So... That's the basic kit. That's what I'm basically doing. So it's kind of nice now that I'm out of the studio doing that because when I come back to the studio now, it's kind of a hobby and fun again. And uh, the studio is kind of becoming a little bit of a grind. So it's it's kind of nice to come back to that. And um, maybe one day I'll even pick up a guitar and play it again and see what that's like. Thanks to everyone who comments and participates in the show. Thank you so much to everyone who's donated. Thanks to John for the long hours of editing our show. There's plenty more where that came from. We'll hopefully see you next week. Thank you for listening. The guys will be back next week. Please go to homerecordingshow.com and leave your comments. <laughs>